Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. Welcome into Tapped Out. Along with my producer, Jake Noaker, and my co-host, Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. Lots of fighting news to talk about. Some big fights coming up on Saturday night. Of course, UFC 298 from Cali. Alexander Volkanovsky, half of the main event, puts his belt on the line against Ilya Taporia. Volk is a minus 140 favorite. Ilya Taporia is plus 115. And it's a pretty good card up and down. The Reaper is back. Minus 250, Robert Whitaker, a heavy favorite against Paolo Costa. We'll get to the entire card coming up here, and we'll tell you our method to the madness, who's going to win, how they're going to win. But before we do that, I got to welcome in my co-host, Brendan Tobin. Let's break down all the other news in the world of fighting. I made some money last Saturday night. How'd you do in that Dan Ige-Andre Feely fight? Ige with another knockout. I knew that was going to happen. That's why I got three to one on my money. Man, he just continues to uh, to impress with how he's able to put guys away with that thunderous power that he's got. Got the nickname for a reason. Did good on that fight. Didn't do so good in the main event. Well, me either. Um, in the main event, Jack Hermanson took out Joe Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer had a lot of hype coming into that fight, right? He was the favorite to win, and it feels like coming out of that fight, he doesn't. <laughs> it's interesting, man. You know, we've seen we have seen a lot of the young guys seem like they handled the the hype very, very well. Um, you know, and, and wonder how those bright lights Piper got a lot of attention going into that one because of, you know, the record setting punching, he seemed almost, uh, you know, have, have some animosity towards the media, people questioning him, getting on Rogan before the fight goes down. And, you know, when you put a go in there against a guy like Jack Hermanson, who's just as durable as he come, very weird guy to face. It can be a lesson, and it doesn't mean that he can't get back to the top sometimes. It's just sometimes you see something in this sport that you just quite haven't figured out yet, and they don't go down immediately. And so he's going to have to go back to the well. I think that, you know, it'll be good experience for him because he's kind of gotten that sense of what it's like to be a star right now. It's a lot to handle. Jack Hermanson just continues to to, to roll on, man. The guy's been doing it forever, and is uh, is just a strange guy to to figure out but it was a great performance by him he weathered the storm early and uh and definitely handled him the rest of the way in that fight 
I mentioned Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Ilya Taporia coming up on Saturday night. News just kind of coming out, Volk being asked a lot of questions by the media. And he said that if it's a clean fight, a quick fight, that he'd be happy to turn around and fight at UFC 300. We can talk about UFC 300 here in a minute because I'm pretty sure Dana White has nothing up his sleeve, even though he keeps saying that he does. I don't really know where Volks would slip into that whole thing. Do you? I don't either, just because I don't know what the matchup would be. You know, like it's 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 and they're looking for a main event. They're not just looking for a fight. They're looking for a main event, and I'm not sure that there is that. As great as Volk is, maybe I'm not thinking of somebody. Maybe I mean Max is already fighting for the BMF, so it wouldn't be another fight versus Max. I I, I can't yeah, think of anybody else. Ortega. Ortega, maybe Ortega, yeah, that, that Ortega one, and yeah, I don't think any. Yeah, Yair, none of those. Yeah. Well, Yair and Ortega are fighting soon. They're fighting each other. Um, but he's already beaten both of those guys. So, right. I just don't know what that does as far as a main event's concerned. The only thing, honestly, Sean, that would do any kind of buzz, but you're having to ask for a lot of ifs to 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 go down. I think the only thing that could be a UFC 300 worthy type of thing would be like. He wins, and then you wait three weeks and see if Sean O'Malley wins. But the problem with that is, even if you do that Ooh. kind of a super fight, even if you do that kind of a super fight, how much time do you have to promote it? And you have to hope like hell that that Sean and Volk come out of it healthy. So maybe that's a fight for International Fight Week if they don't work their things out with Connor. That would be a fun matchup for sure. I just don't think the clock is there for them for that matchup. You've tickled my fancy. Uh, you're right. So the next two pay-per-views, Volk would have to win his fight versus Deporia, obviously. And O'Malley would have to win his fight coming up 299 in Miami versus Cheeto. They'd both have to basically come out clean. And then, I mean, Dana feels like he's a pretty lucky dude in general. I don't think he's got anything for the main event right now, even though he's been teasing it. He'd have to wait till the last minute also, but that would probably benefit him, right? Like, It'd be, it's going to be very interesting now that I've got that in the back of my mind as I'm watching this Volkanovski fight. Like, if Volk comes out and not maybe, – maybe Dana's also whispered that in his ear. We don't know. And said, look, dude, you go out there and knock him out real quick, clean. I could probably get you to fight O'Malley for a big bag for the main event of UFC 300. So you might have just come up with something, dude. That's pretty good. I don't think I came up with anything. I think I came up with I a think, long shot. I, they got nothing, dude. It's, it's just as likely that we get that fight as we get – do you think the bear that Khabib fought when he was young is still with us? Or do, how long do bears live, approximately? I don't Could they bring that fight back? Could we like fight the, the bear? Crocodile hunter? I don't know. I don't know how <laughs> You're long – You're in Florida. I've bear. seen you mess with iguanas on the regular, all right? They're all over You're the place. You're more of a wildlife guy than me. Anyway, we got nothing. They got nothing. Um, We move on. Lots of other news to talk about. Uh, Jardina Rosenstrike lined up for a fight coming up on March 2nd. Let's talk some boxing. Did you see Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia April 20th? Devin Haney going to knock his ass out the same way that Javante Davis did. Now, I'm bitter because I don't know exactly what happened there. Kid Rice, King Rice says he took the liver shot. I, whatever. I'm not betting on him again. In fact, I'm taking Devin Haney to knock him out. Yeah, I mean, look, he's just he's got such a, a a boxing skill disadvantage in this fight. Um, you're not taking on now the one thing I would say that's different between this and the Javante fight. Devin Haney 
not a strong puncher. I mean, he is, he's not a power puncher at all, but he's not dude. I mean, he's, he's, he's as skilled as it gets and he'll box your socks off and go get a bunch of decisions. He's not going to knock you out. Um, so I think Ryan is safe there. So the only way Ryan does win this fight is if he throws caution to the wind and tries to walk him down in the first four or five rounds and try and hit him with something heavy that makes Devin Haney a little bit, you know, just uh, apprehensive. But I think the problem is when you fight Devin Haney, you see this with every guy that says they're going to do that. He sticks that jab in your face. You can't hit him clean. He's probably the closest thing skill-wise we have to Floyd Mayweather uh, in recent years as far as just that slickness, but not necessarily a power punch threat. I just don't see Ryan's path here. It's just a, it's a, It would be a very long shot. I don't know what the odds will end up being for a method on that night for KO, so you literally might just want to sprinkle something on it if it's like a plus 800 because I could see it being that big. Um but I don't know, man. I think Devin Haney's got this one in the bag. But 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 kudos to them for for making it. I, I'm glad that these two young guys are making this fight happen, and uh, it should be a fun it should be a fun lead up for for sure. It's kind of crazy that Ryan Garcia. How old's Ryan Garcia? Twenty five. It's crazy that somebody that young would go back to back at this point in his career. Devin Haney right after fighting Gervonta Davis. Most guys like look at a Bud Crawford. Look at a Errol Smith. Look at all these guys. It takes them years till they're 32 till they finally fight a fight like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and I'm glad that he just has, you know, the stones to do it because the thing that with that that's happened with Ryan at such an early age is he's got the popularity. I think Ryan Garcia is going to be able to headline fights from now until whenever, just because people care about him. He's got a buzz to him. He basically got, famous over overdoing the Cobra bag on Instagram. Um, it's pretty cool. And so like, yeah, so I, he's got, he's got a lot to gain, but I don't think he's got that much to lose. He's going to make a ton of dough. You know, this happens sometimes, you know, the guys who will take those risks, but they're in there for, uh, they're in there for a lot of uh, big time paydays. Cool. I think, cause I think, cause the thing with Ryan is I, I don't think anybody really, looks at him as the most skilled boxer. I think everybody kind of looks at him as the pretty boy social media boxer. So, you know, might as well take some big risks, get some big checks, and maybe you'll pull one off one of these days. Uh, a lot of the same stuff you said, taking risk and making the bag. Jamel Charlo says that he's got the fight coming up. So on Cinco de Mayo weekend, everybody knows that that's Canelo fight weekend. And it looks like we're going to see Can Canelo versus Charlo, Jamel Charlo, as it is. It feels like that's a good chance for Canelo to have a big name and to, I don't want to say get right, but a lot of people I think BT are the opinion like me where you can clearly see a decline. What do you think the odds look like in that fight? Uh, well, he's taking on Jamal Charlo. He's taking on his brother. He beat Jamel recently. And Jamel, Jamal, it was, tomato, tomato. Well, they're twins. It's close. I gotcha. I just want to make clear okay. that's kind of the storyline here is your brother's going to kind of avenge you. The thing with Jamal that's been, you know, he, he's been pretty inactive. This is a guy who really skyrocketed faster than his brother did and then just went with a lot of inactivity. Now, he looked good his last time around, had Roy Jones training him for a little bit. So, you know, maybe he feels a lot more confident in this. He's always been looked upon as... Even though they're twins, he's fought naturally bigger guys longer. 
So maybe the idea is he could take Canelo's uh, power a little bit better. But ultimately, you know, for Canelo, my critique of him would be you have a lot of you have three to four options you could have gone with. And I really think he chose the safest and least interesting route. Like, oh, big brother's going to go avenge little brother or a big brother. I don't even know what twin was born first or whatever. My, I'm going to go avenge my brother. Like, could have fought David Benavidez. Amazing fight. Could have fought Terrence Crawford. I think that's the fight of the year everybody wants to see. Could have fought Jaime Munguia. Dangerous fight. Looks, uh, you know, Mexican clash on Cinco de Mayo weekend. Would have been awesome. Uh, you know, Bevol again, you know, avenge that loss. He don't and he want went with like, he don't want I know he again. does it, but, you, you know, we just talked about Ryan Garcia and the praise that he deserves. And Canelo instead goes in this direction of the place where he's going to be the biggest favorite out of all of these. Like the other fights, yeah, he's going to, he would, those would have been closer fights. He took the least competitive fight, um, the boringest, you know, storyline. And I hate it. I think it's I think it's bogus. If that is it, what it ends up being, what it sounds like it is. That's kind of what Canelo does, though. Like you're, you're you're complimenting Garcia for taking big fight after big fight. That's not really what Canelo's done throughout. He has a big fight, and then he fights three guys I never heard of. The only people who've ever heard of him are the family members of the actual fighter and you. That's it. Like even who's his last fight against? His last fight was against Jermel. Okay, before that, who's so- his fight? Uh, fought John Ryder, which, Who? you know, he's, he's, he's a solid fighter. He's a solid Where's fighter, John, John Ryder, just retired. Oh, my fought God. On, fought an old Gennady lot before that. Uh, and then Dimitri Bevo lost fought, to him. Fought who? Lost to Bevo before that. Oh, okay. All right. And then uh, he knocked out Caleb Plant, which was a, a solid win. Yeah, Caleb Plant, so we knocked him out. All right, that's it for uh, the news and notes. Coming up next, we talk some more fighting. We make some more money. And then don't forget, stay tuned, because at the very end of the show, we're going to pick every single fight on the main card at UFC 298. Who's going to win? How they're going to finish? Because we're going to make some money right here. After all, it is the BetQL Network. winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex oh heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or thirty-six thousand miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event now get zero percent apr or up to fifteen hundred bonus cash on the hyundai tucson now during the hyundai getaway sales event offers end soon call 562-314-4603 for details
We're back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. What's good? Welcome back into the show. Tapped Out here on the BetQL Network. That's BT. I'm the sports machine. We welcome in good friend of the show, basically a family member at this point. He is Eric Richter. If you're watching the show, maybe on YouTube, maybe on Twitch, you can see him puffing his shirt out. Conor McGregor, the like Conor McGregor that we all know and love. That's a great looking shirt. Do you, do you, does that mean anything? Is this symbolism for something? Like, do you think he's actually going to step into an octagon and fight anytime soon? UFC 300, Conor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmago. Man, no, no way. <laughs> oh, I was like, uh, really? Okay. I wish. I wish. No, it seems like from what Ariel was saying, and I've actually talked to Ariel about this, he thinks it's a contract dispute. He says that, you know, Conor's been ready. Conor's down to fight. They're using this as negotiation, a negotiating tactic, and they're both okay with it because it's kind of like a, hey, it's just business type of thing. You know, that's the that's the nature of this fight business. It's a weird world that we live in. And, uh, you know, I guess the boss sometimes is more worried about power slap than he is about the actual fights. So that's kind of where we're at right now. This should have been done a while ago. Yeah, it's unbelievably annoying because it feels like there's a new answer like every day about Conor McGregor. Like if it was just a dispute about something, just like I guess I think the fans would just be like, hey, can we just be transparent about it and not like, no, is it his health? Is it whatever? Is it USADA? You know, is it whatever? Just be, come out with a real reason. I think transparency could go a long way in something like this. Um, do you, were you holding out hope, Eric, while you were watching the Super Bowl? Did you think some announcement was going to drop, or were you uh, were you always just wondering, like, ah, nothing? They, they got nothing right now. Uh, the whole time I was like, they got nothing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't think that they had anything the whole time. I think that they were working on Connor initially. I think they're working on a lot of things. It's just none of it worked out. Um, I, I don't even know what they're going to go with because Hamzat's probably not going to take it. So it's like Leon versus Bilal, but they don't want to do that. They've made that abundantly clear. So, you know, UFC's a bit, in a bit of a bind. And, again, I, it, all, it all comes back to the head honcho. He should have been on this. He's been doing other things that he probably – not that he shouldn't be doing them. He could do whatever he wants. It, but the U, president of the UFC is a full-time job, so if it's it's got to be it's got to be something that he should have been prioritizing. He worries about the big fights. I know Hunter Campbell does you know 90 percent of the work these days, and Dana's just the head. But this is something that he does. He makes the big fights happen, and none of them are happening because he hasn't been working on it probably until December. Have you guys ever told like a lie or a fib and then tried to back it up and got caught? Like, here, here's my example. I was dating this girl. One of the first few dates, she asked me if I was a good cook. And I was like, yeah, I'm a really good cook. And so she's like, let's make something right now. Fettuccine Alfredo. I told her it was my specialty. So we tried to make it. It was terrible. I was trying to Google Hunter back. I didn't know what I was doing because I was trying to, like, get myself caught up to my own lie. It feels like maybe that's what Dane is going to do at UFC 300 where he promised us this huge fight. So he's going to, like, I'm just throwing this out there. Like, remember that nerd fight that was talked about, that Zuckerberg versus Musk? I'm just, Again, not that specifically, but – Something where he, he's going to, like, think that it's a big enough deal for us actual fight fans because he told us that's what we were going to get. There's no way that we get nothing, right? There's no way the BMF ends up being the main event. No. No. And, Sean, I just got to say that that is what, you, like, that analogy of the fettuccine Alfredo that you just yeah, threw out there, that yeah. is that, no, that is why you get paid the big bucks. 
That is why you are who you are. That was amazing. That's a hilarious. It's exactly what's going on with Dana. That is that was unreal. Yes, the I stuff was so you. Eric. It was terrible. The girl was looking at me. It was like gum. It was like bubble you know, gum. She was, yeah, not not. Good. You know, you gotta wait for the bubbles. Down. You gotta wait now till it actually. That. You gotta actually wait till it boils, Sean. Like that's how it yeah, works. Now I know. I honestly, Thank you. I think there's two things that actually caught. You know what's funny is. In a weird way, the UFC built this problem themselves, but almost in a in a strange way because these two upcoming pay per view cards are really really good. I mean, yes, if they would have saved right. some of the bullets. It's weird that they backed themselves into a corner, but they really they probably didn't have to do that. They have an awesome card that was so stacked. They even like stacked on more of it with Ian Gary coming on from the two ninety nine card from Miami because I was obviously interested in seeing that that uh, that fight down here live. But 298, 299 is awesome. 300 is good, but it's weird. Even if you told me from the start the BMF belt was the main event, I think a lot of us would have been cool with that. It's just this weird air of like, oh, no, 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 no. We got something else. It's like, if yeah. you would have again, this goes back to transparency. You're weird with the Connor thing. You're weird with the UFC 300 thing. Like, there's always got to be this ta-da moment. UFC 200 fell apart, and we all still remember it as as this landmark moment if you're just up front with your fans i think they're in a better spot than they are with all right guys hat in hand it's Bilal versus leon yeah i hear you they've 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 you know they've been like you said with the nerd fight uh it's tough you know they're in a spot now where it's they've been talking about super fights for so long so now and like and just to be totally transparent it's very clear that the ufc doesn't think very too highly of brandon of uh, Bilal muhammad and you know they also leon too they're probably not the biggest fan of either leon's only fought what twice as the champ one of them was a rematch fight the other one it took him a year to fight colby there's no way that they're huge fans of leon they're definitely not big fans of Bilal either they probably don't want either of those two guys to be the champ so then you know it's you're sitting there and it's yeah you don't want to give them the marquee marquee revenue and that was the thing about the connor thing that i even tweeted out the unfortunate thing is that there's no way, and this is from talking to people in the business, is that the UFC is there's no way the UFC was going to share the pay per view revenue from UFC 300 with, you know, uh, the China, uh, the the bantamweight fight Weili Zhang versus um, I forget the other yeah, person's yeah, name, but uh, they're both yeah. yes that one. Um, there there's no way they're sharing UFC 300 pay per view revenue with them as co main events. They're not even like I did the math on it, and if they get like two percent of the pay per view uh, in pay per view points, one percent even um, for the BMF, and then also for the women's bantamweight. I mean, how many pay per view buys would a Connor, you know, UFC 300 pay per view sell? It'd be a crazy amount of money. One to three percent of that is hundreds of thousands of dollars. Would triple the salary probably of what Weili Zhang makes and uh, Yao. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Yeah, I was just okay. on. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. It, it, um, it Eric, Eric Richter, by the way, the New York Post, you want to go see her. Uh, it is kind of crazy, BT, that 299 is so good and that they've got O'Malley, who you could argue is their biggest star right now, that they could, even that O'Malley Cheeto probably would, would have been suffice enough for to be main event of UFC 300. All right, let's move on because we do have some actual good fights coming up, including on Saturday night, Ilya Taporia goes for the belt against Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, how concerned are you that this is the first fight back after Volk took a pretty brutal knockout last time we saw him? I'm extremely concerned. I've been studying this line movement since it opened. Uh, opened at about plus 140 for Ilya. I actually got bet to favorite status. 
Now we got the you know reverse line movement coming in now here on Wednesday. So um, yeah, I've been studying this line movement you know uh, hard. I've been very interested to see how this ends up playing out in terms of line movement. Um, yeah, I, I'm very concerned if I'm Volkanovski, you know, I, I would just like digging into the fight. Like Ilya's got a great, Ilya's got a way underrated ground game. Um, and I'm not as concerned. Like, I just look at it stylistically. I think that the only spot that Volk has is those leg kicks, but it, you know, I did, I just judging by like some tape that I was watching, I, I never really saw Ilya eat a lot of leg kicks, which is part of like a, you know, like that's part of like a big part of Volk's game. Never really saw Ilya eat a lot of leg kicks. Looks like he's pretty uh, good about moving and um, not keeping his weight too far forward. So, you know, for me, I'm interested in Ilya as an underdog here. I I, I like Ilya by decision. I was plus 500 a couple days ago. I'm, I'm on it, man. I, I think Ilya is going to be the and new. I'm extremely worried about Volkanovski on the short turnaround. Um, and I think Ilya is a absolute – you know, he. this isn't very uh, analytical or very scientific, but he's got that dog in him. Like, you see him eat that head kick to Jai Herbert, and he got yeah. right up. I mean, he eat that. He is a dog. Like, we've seen his chin tested. He is not chinny. So, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in, I'm, I'm in on Ilya. Is, uh, if, if you had to put a concern on Volkanovsky, Eric, do you think it, is it taking the knockout too recently? Is it age, or is it just – the idea that he's running into a buzzsaw right now, and you think that Taporia is just it's it's his time to take over. All of the above. I think it, I think he is getting older, Volkanovsky. I think he is getting older. I mean, obviously, you know, he's twelve and zero. You know, this is interesting because it feels like he's setting us up for a y'all must have forgot moment where it's like, hey, I'm still that dude. One fifty five was just too big for me. Um, but you know, I just I really like Ilya. I think that Ilya's got crazy power. Um, I don't even. I, I. I. He could finish him, but I really like Ilya as you know as an all around great fighter. Um, I think he's big for the division too. So I don't even think Volk's gonna have like the big size difference that he typically does. That we saw them face off. What was it? Um, I don't even remember what after if I was like UFC two ninety three. I think um, yeah. that he that they faced off after the uh, outside the cage. You know, I just when I saw that, I was like, mm, Ilya looks like a like pretty solid in terms of size. So, yeah, I it's a lot of stuff. I don't like this fight for Volk. I don't know why he took it. Eric, if you're going to play an underdog on UFC 298's main card, would you rather play Paolo Costa at 2-1, to one, obviously taking on Robert Whitaker? Whitaker, to me, is too big of a favorite at minus 250. Or would you rather play Triple C, Henry Cejudo, plus 175? Marab is back at minus 210. If a dog is barking on Saturday night, who is it? Well, I can tell you personally that I have bets on both, right? So we'll start with that. Um, I bet both of them. I'm going to double down on Costa now that he's plus 205 on Caesars. Um, I'm all in on Paulo Costa. I actually just think this – I think that the wrong guy is even favored. I know the layoff for Paulo Costa is a problem, and, you know, he had the staff infection and stuff. Whitaker didn't look great against Drigas Duplessy. I don't understand why he's minus 250. Costa is one of my favorite – is my favorite bet on the weekend. Um, yeah, he's my favorite bet of the weekend. I also like Roman Kopilov, uh against Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. You know, I, I would live bet Fluffy maybe in like the third round, but I think he's, he loses round one at a pretty high clip. Kopilov is just straight up violent. That is a violent dude. Plus 210 on Kopilov, I love. Uh, in the Cejudo fight, him against Marab. I mean, the, Marab obviously could be fighting for the championship right now. Cejudo did not look fantastic uh, in his return bid. 
Do you feel like Triple C has a shot in this one, or do you think that Marab, you know, works in the entire fight? I definitely think that Cejudo has a shot here. Um, you know, I you watch back the Marlon Marias fight, and you know, those are a long time ago, and Marlon's a at a different stage of his career if he even has, still has a fighting career. Um, but um, you know, Marab a little chinny. I mean, obviously Cejudo isn't known for his power, but he's a little chinny. He definitely like leaves his chin a little too high, you know, and they're both elite wrestlers. I would be surprised if both of them got taken down. Now, like the concern and the reason why DeVos Vili is such a big favorite uh, is just his unbelievable motor, right? We've seen it so many times. How crazy is, is, is that guy's motor? So Hudo against Sterling was pretty close, you know? I mean, it wasn't, you know, it's it's not the best, but I mean, against – Against Sterling, I thought that he did take him down. Uh, he didn't hold the position as well as I thought he. I thought he could have won that fight. I think you're looking at a split decision there. I think it's going to be a coin flip, and I think that you know Suhudo's a better striker. I would just be mind blown if Devos really is able to bring him down, honestly. Um, and just like a betting principle of mine, and I've written about this before in New York Post back when I was with the Action Network, written about this many times. When an odds maker has you as a favorite to start, and then you get bet down to underdog status. I'm always going to be interested. Um, I think that the odds makers are smarter than the public. I always have. Um, and when you see, you know, Cejudo jump uh, open as a minus 140 favorite, now he's plus 180. You know, I I always am going to look at that. I, I think that that is a very noteworthy betting tactic. I think you always should look at the opening odds and what odds makers think. Let's polish off the rest of that main card at 298 before we wrap things up. Eric Richter from the New York Post here on the BetQL Network. We got like a minute left. Ian Gary, minus 225 against Jeff Neal. Is Jeff Neal a live wire on Saturday night? I think he could be. I think it just depends on how the opening goes. My issue with Jeff Neal is that Gary's going to have such a size advantage and he's such a clean striker. Unless Jeff Neal just says, I'm going to go wrestling mode, which I'd be really surprised if he did. Um, I think that Gary... it depends on the strategy from Jeff. I like his striking. I think he's a good fighter. Um, but honestly, I, I'm definitely favoring Gary here. And I think that minus 200 is not bad. I, he's just so much bigger. The size difference is going to be massive. I, you know, I honestly, I was looking at Ian Gary by knockout plus 250. Um, That's the thing, though, is I don't know if he can, like, he should have finished a couple of fights. And for whatever reason, he didn't. So I'm hesitant to bet, even though I think he can do it. I don't want to put my hard-earned money on Ian Gary by knockout because he, he, for some reason, he backs off when he can do it. Uh, Eric Richter, the New York Post, never backs away from a fight or an interview or pretty much anything. Uh, thanks for your time, my guy. That's a sweet shirt, and we'll catch you up soon. Appreciate you, boys. Have a good one. Eric Richter, the New York Post, joining us here on the BetQL Network. Coming up next, we talk a little bit more fighting right here on BetQL.
Sean Levine will step into the cage with Brendan Tobin in Are You Gonna Fight Me? I'm gonna fight your ass. Here on Tapped Out. That's right, fight me like a man. Only on the BetQL Network. You know the rules. I want a good, clean fight. When I tell you to break, I want you to step back up my command and break. Now go back to the corner and come out fighting at the bell. And welcome back into Tapped Out here on the BetQL Network. That's Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. But since we can't seem to get along, let's get it on. In a segment called You Gonna Fight Me. Main event for UFC 299, of course, in Miami. Sean O'Malley versus Cheeto Vera. Uh, O'Malley is much more likely, if somebody's going to get knocked out, I think O'Malley is much more likely to knock out Cheeto than Cheeto is to KO O'Malley. You going to fight me? I struggle with this question because I, I do think that O'Malley's going to win. Um, so I guess I kind of don't want to fight you, but I feel like, you know, he can win by decision too. If you were to tell me like, you know, can I see Cheeto winning a decision over O'Malley? I don't think so. Not a five-round decision, um, especially just the way Cheeto fights. So I feel like if Cheeto's going to win, he better knock Sean O'Malley out and be the one who's most likely to knock him out. Um, but I definitely think that Sean's capable of doing that. What do you think is going to be the takeaway from the first time they fought? Like, it seems like most people are like, oh, it was a long time ago. Both guys were completely different fighters. Although, let's just call it what it is. Even though O'Malley will tell you that he didn't lose that fight, he did. Yeah, I think that it, a lot of time has passed. Sean was so young. Um, I, I do give the sense of giving him a mulligan. I'm more interested with how they fought recently. And I've said many times on the show, I haven't loved the way Cheeto has fought recently because I feel like he is always swinging for the fences. And I feel like that's a really dangerous game against Sean O'Malley who's probably feeling his most confident, you know, now knows that he can do it against the best guys in the division. Um, so I don't think that he's going to have any kind of advantage there as far as like, you know, being able to wait Sean out. I feel like you're going to have to hope Sean gets really aggressive with something and he has, I don't know, a flying knee, a head kick in his bag of tricks. We've seen him do it before, but I do feel like Sean's a, a tough target to go hit that way. Can you imagine if you're Corey Sandhagen and you're watching Cheeto Vera get this title shot? I mean, he beat him up, but that's not how it works, MMA math. Uh, Ilya Taporia pretty much came into our consciousness, I would say, as fight fans a couple of years ago, going back and forth with Patty Pimblett. You're going to fight me if I say, if those two guys stepped into an octagon tomorrow, Taporia and Pimblett, Ilya Taporia, it would be done in one. Ilya Taporia would knock his head off his body. Uh, no, I'm not going to fight you right now. I mean, Patty Pimblett's stock is pretty low. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't have two guys right now whose you know values are going in opposite directions. Um, you know, maybe I'll feel different next week if Volk goes out there and just cleans his clock. And you would think maybe it's too much too soon for Elliot Taporia. But I think we've seen with Patty Pimblett. You know, he is a hell of a, a marketing ploy. He's got some skills, but I just don't think he's elite. And uh, Taporia skyrocketed to the to the uh, to the top very very quickly um and this is always an interesting thing you know we always talk about like what's the best route to do with these guys who are super super marketable do they slow roll it do they take their time um or do you take the 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 big cut at your career early on like Taporia is and get right to it and maybe you reign for a very long time 
in the case of Patty the Bad, you can't even finish Tony Ferguson. And I think, what's your son at this point? Still a white belt? I'm pretty sure he can finish Tony Ferguson. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. He's, uh, he's, actually, a, he's, actually, a, he's actually a gray belt now. That's, uh, so he's, he's moved off of white belt, yeah. All right, Tommy, who knew? Um, well, I bet he could take him at this point in his career. Uh, you mentioned Alexander Volkanovsky. You're going to fight me if I say there's a chance when it's all said and done, now he has to win this fight, that he ends up on the Mount Rushmore of UFC fighters. If we can agree that right now, John Jones, GSP, Anderson Silva, there's kind of room for a fourth. A lot of people would say Demetrius Johnson. I'd probably say Khabib right now. I don't know if there's somebody else you want to throw in there, but I think if Volk was to win this fight, maybe like, I don't know, fight Islam at some point down the line and beat him again. And you'll say, well, I don't know if he ever gets a rematch because he lost twice. We both know that he won the first time around. I think there's a chance that Volkanovski can end up one of the top four, if not five fighters of all time. You going to fight me? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to rule anything out, but I think it's a long, it's, it's a lot longer route than you make it out to be just because, you know, first of all, it, it, this is a tough test right in front of him. Second of all, like you said, Islam getting him again would be really tough and he did lose to him twice. So are we then going to say, oh, this guy who has two losses to him is he's going to be able to leapfrog him. Then like, what's Max Holloway's claim? Cause you could say Max Holloway has a better resume pretty much overall than Alexander Volkanovsky outside of losing to Alexander Volkanovsky three times. So I think it's tough for him. I don't know what he would have to do to, to get in that kind of lore. But I think the, the fact that he could be regarded as the best to ever do it in this division. I mean, we always argue about this division. It's such a, you know, historic division for the UFC anyway. I think that's, you know, as big a nod as it gets, the fact that he could end up being the featherweight goat. Um, nobody can seem to beat him at this weight class. So, but but the idea that he'd be that kind of special, I think the thing that's probably tough for him is I don't know after the Max Holloway rivalry, like what's going to be the next thing that he could get that would do it outside of like if he wins and, you know, some of his talk this week about, going to 300 and then like something improbable like Sean O'Malley would do a 300 turnaround and then he knocked out Sean O'Malley like he's got to do I think a, a couple things that really just make people go whoa for for that kind of distinction to be there for him in the last six years talking about Alexander Volkanovsky he's only lost to the aforementioned um uh Islam in that time, he's beat Yair, he beat Holloway, he beat the zombie, he beat Ortega, he beat Holloway again, he beat Holloway again. He beat the best featherweight of all time, in my opinion, Jose Aldo Jr. and Chad Mendez in his prime. So I, his resume is not too bad, although prime is loose there with Chad Mendez. He was not in his prime. Maybe very back into this prime. Very I'll loose definition of prime. I'll give you that one. Brendan Tobin, Sportsman, call me out on Sports Machine, Sean Levine here on the BetQL Network. Uh, Henry Cejudo. Definitely not in his prime. I think we can agree on that. And his coach, Captain America, dude, did you see on Embedded when he, like, told in front of everybody watching, you're no longer going to be coaching me, at least for this camp? Where I come from, that's called a B move. Why would he do that? You're going to fight me? That's not cool. It's not cool. I mean, if it's true, I'm not going to fight you on that. The thing with uh, with Henry Cejudo that you always have to worry about is, is it a work? Like, he is the king of cringe for a reason, so I don't really know what to believe when it comes to him. But, yeah, absolutely, just because 
that seems like a really sacred thing. A lot of the times when a, a, a coach and a fighter part ways, that's always a very secretive thing. I've talked to guys who have like left ATT before and it's almost like code. You don't, you don't say why it happened. You don't really speak until, unless it's like something like Colby that really spills out publicly. But most of the time, right. like I remember when Robbie Lawler left ATT, I tried like finding out uh, from everybody what the hell happened then. Like it was a lockbox, you know, Robbie's like a samurai. He doesn't say anything about it. So yeah, if this is true and not a bit, it is a B move and I'm not going to fight you on that, but I, I don't even know if I think it's real. You're right. I, I probably, I probably, you're right. I probably bought into something like Henry Sudo. Although I love my interview with that guy. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I think UFC 300 is pretty much set, dude. Dana White had teased a main event announcement, and I'm calling this bluff right now. I think he's got nothing. I think the UFC main 100s, three events is going, uh, UFC 300, the main event at this point is going to be the BMF fight. Are you going to fight me? Not going to fight. I mean, I'll fight you. I think that it's probably going to end up being Leon and Bilal. Like, I think that's oh. probably what it's going to end up being. But I, if it's but Leon, I, I, if it's Leon, we talked about this. Hey, real quick, sorry to cut you off. If it's Leon, I would say, again, sorry, Bilal, but we need, like, a little bit more of a draw because Leon's not that big of a draw. And I would call Hamzad and just say, all right, dude, you get a shot for the title and pay Bilal behind the scenes or something. If that, There's no yeah, way Bilal versus – there's no way Leon versus Bilal is the main event of UFC 300. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, Hamzad comes out this week and he's like, oh, I'm not going to fight during Ramadan, which – Okay, good for it. Like, if he doesn't want to fight during Ramadan, total respect. Okay, of course. Uh, there's also this stuff that Hawani was reporting that, like, he apparently can't even get into America. So, I'm not trying to doubt the man's religion, but that is that a convenient cover up for why he doesn't want to do the fight? Because he immediately said that he wanted to fight in Saudi Arabia. So maybe there is some credence to what Hawani is reporting there. Um, but for whatever reason, like, people have liked your idea about fighting Hamzad. It just seems like there's obstacles either being religious or legal immigration issues that he can't get in so that doesn't appear to be an option dude like i think that this is just a case of they're stuck this is uh and so i would agree that the bmf title is a more fan-friendly fight anyway so just make that the main event but i don't know what their code is of like real championship versus belt we just made up no, it's a stacked card, and I think the casual fans at least know five, six, seven of the names on there, which ultimately is the goal. I don't know that they've got the fight maybe that a lot of us were looking for. Maybe it'll surprise us. Maybe it's something that hasn't come to our mind. We're simpletons. Uh, that is Brendan Tobin on the Sports Machine, Sean Levine. Coming up next, we talk a little more fighting, and we make a little bit more money together right here on the BetQL Network.
We're back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. Wrapping things up here on Tapped Out. Welcome back into BetQL Network. Appreciate you. However you got us, maybe you're on YouTube, on Twitch. That there, that's my producer, Jake Noaker, Brendan Tobin, and me, the sports machine. Boys, here we go. Let's pick the fights. UFC 298. Who's going to win? How's it going down? BT. Anthony Fluffy Hernandez opens the main card as a big favorite. Goodness, minus 225 against Roman Kopilov at plus 180. That dude is a killer. I'm looking at the underdog at plus 180. That looks way too good to be true. Where's your money going in the first fight of UFC 298? Man, I'm going to go with Anthony by decision, which is about 3-1 to one right now. Jake, who's winning that fight? Dude, Kopilov's going to win that fight. That's a great underdog pick. Like, Fluffy's That's a dog. Like, he, he's durable, and he, and he comes up late in fights. Like, Richter earlier said, maybe live bet Anthony Fluffy Hernandez if he makes that out of the first. But nah, dude, give me that Kopilov dog money. Okay, I'm with you. Kopilov, I'll play him by knockout and take that 4-1. to one. Mackenzie Dern plus 110 is an underdog against Amanda Lemos BT at 135. How you betting that one? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say Dern bounces back. Um, you know, she looked like she was on a real hot streak and was on her way to to kind of live it up to all that potential. So getting her as a dog here, they're both coming off losses. Um, I like Dern here in, in the dog position. I think it's a solid pick for her. Jake, yeah this this line this line started with Amanda Lemos was like a minus two forty, and now she's what minus one forty or something like that. Yeah, one thirty five. Yeah, I like Lemos in this fight, but that makes me nervous. I don't know why she would drop. I don't know if there's something up. It was all this week that that line movement happened. So, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm on team Lemos. I think she's going to piece up Durham without getting taken down. But that line movement makes me want to stay away from the fight. That's just some weird nonsense right there. Mackenzie, obviously, if she's going to win the fight, she has the ju- ju- uh, BJJ advantage. Her record's weird. Like, Mackenzie, we all know how good she can be. When she's good, she's great. She wins, she loses. She wins, she loses. She's coming off a loss. I'll take Mackenzie Dern, underdog money, at plus 110. Say she chokes her out at two and a half to one. Ian Gary, minus 225 versus Jeff Neal at plus 185. It feels like Ian Gary went from a guy that had potential as a fighter to all of a sudden he maybe tried to become somebody with a microphone that he wasn't. So now nobody likes the guy. It's almost the Patty Pimblet curve. Like, in just a few fights, you went from pretty cool to pretty not. I think a lot of people want to see Jeff Neal win this fight at plus 185. Are you willing to pay BT minus 225 for Ian Machado Gary? I mean, I'm scared just to take him straight on the money line. I'm I'm just, I'm very torn right now, but I think he's going to be able to get the knockout. You know, him by decision right now is at about plus 150, three to one for him to get the KO. And it does feel like it's up to him. Like, is he going to play with his food? You know, Neil's very durable. We've seen this. He's been there. He's done that with a bunch of guys, um, but he has been susceptible to being KO'd in the past. Not a common thing. Shavkat obviously had to do that mean thing where he choked him out standing up. That wasn't cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the big question is, the big thing here with, with Ian is just, like, how is he going to deal with all of this? Like, he has dealt with a lot of the hate, but it's all been very public. It's been around his family. But the thing with it is it's kind of started with him poking the bear at Jeff Neal and the, wearing the whole mugshot thing. That's kind of where everybody felt like, well, it was open season on him. 
So I'm very curious. I feel like he's got to make a statement. So I'm going to say yeah. that he does it and he's going to get the KO. But I wouldn't necessarily like I, if, if I find out that he wins by decision, I'm not going to be surprised just because we can see usually when he gets it in the bag, he can back off a little bit. So weird. It's like uh, when Nate Diaz at the end of the fight versus Leon, dude, just finish him, right? Like you've got him on the ropes. And we've it's not just once or twice. That's happened in a few fights with Ian Gary. I remember one time he could have choked. It. I'm trying to remember who he was fighting against. He could have choked this. Like literally he was on his back. He was a backpack. And then he just hold off and decided to keep that fight standing up. And then last time he easily could have knocked out old boy and decided not to. So I'm not going to take him to finish the fight. What about you, Jake? I'm on the same page. I think Ian Gary by decision is a great bet here. Jeff Neal's yeah. the most durable person Ian Gary has fought. And everyone else he has fought, he was putting the work on and still couldn't finish. So what's going to lead me to believe he can finish Jeff Neal? I think he wins, but in a three-round fight, I think he works the legs, takes his time, and gets his hand raised by the by decision. Boys, you know what happened the last time we were all on, on board with the exact same method for the exact same fight? It was Robbie Lawler knockout. by knockout in his final, and that happened. So, uh, y'all, you might want to put a little bit of money. I'm not saying it's your money, but all three of us, Ian Gary by Down decision. I'm with you there. It just makes too much sense. Ian Gary, he's a better fighter. He doesn't like to finish fights. Well, he has problems finishing fights, and Jeff Neal's very durable. Three rounds? Yeah, that's going to happen. Uh, Marab, minus 210 versus Henry Cejudo. I can't believe how high Eric Richter was on Henry Cejudo. I haven't heard anybody except for Henry Cejudo be that high on Henry Cejudo. BT, how do you think that fight's going down? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, you know, I love Eric to death. I, uh, I'm i going with the machine to get this one. It's a boring pick. I think he'll win a decision. I just didn't like the way Henry looked his last time around. You know, he he, he stepped away from the fight. I don't know what the hell's going on here if he's doing an SNL skit. Uh, if he's doing some type or, or if there's legitimate tension with his coaching staff, because, you know, that doesn't usually send, tend to be the case. He seems to be very professional when it comes to preparing for fights. But that worries me because, you know, he's he was at one time at top of the world. Everything was kind of going clean for him. And then, you know, this has been a bit of a rocky comeback, it seems. So meanwhile, Marab, I mean, this dude could be fighting for the title if things were fair and he was more exciting fighter. He probably would be fighting for the title. Um, and I just think he's on a roll right now. So boring pick, but I'm going to go Marab by decision. Maybe it is a bad joke when, uh, when triple C said that captain America wasn't going to be coaching him or in his corner for this camp, because if anybody can tell a bad joke, man, it is Henry Cejudo. So maybe I bought a hook, line and sinker. I probably shouldn't have, uh, I, I don't get the punchline, but that guy's told a lot of jokes where I'm like, it's done. That's it. Although I did enjoy my interview with him. He even said shalom to my grandma. It was great. Uh, Jake, Henry Cejudo Marab. Well, speaking of interviews, I guess I'll go public in saying Mr. Marab Devalishvili dodged me twice for an interview this week. Had me hanging at this very microphone. So along with that, uh-huh. and along with Eric coming on here and praising the man Cejudo, I think I'm on Cejudo. But there's, some, there's, really? some technica- there's some technical knowledge there, too. Eric made a good All point. Right, I can't me- take people down. He tries to take people down a lot, but he doesn't take people down, and he certainly doesn't keep them there. He's not going to be able to take Cejudo down. Cejudo's not going to hang up against the fence like Peter Jan did. I'm on on Cejudo. I'm on Cejudo. Cejudo looks stuck in the mud, BT. That's what I saw last time out. Probably should have just stayed retired. I'd be shocked if he can beat Marab. 
If he can beat Marabi, he's fight for a damn title. It's just a dangerous game to start gambling with guys who stood you up for interviews, Jake. I know, like, it's going to happen a lot yep. over your career. And yep. so I just don't want you to lose money for the wrong reasons. And God, I've done it plenty of times. He's right. Take the advice from the old man down there in Miami. I've done it a million times. I'm like, screw that guy or gal. And then I get screwed by them again. Um, pun intended, I hope, received. Robert Whitaker versus Paolo Costa in the co-main event. The Eraser. Is that what his nickname is, or did he go back to uh, Boracinia? Whatever he called himself these days. Plus 200. Robert, why is Robert Whitaker minus 250 BT? And I love Robert Whitaker. He's come on our show a couple of times. Why is he a minus 250 based on just his last time out against DDP? He looked, I don't want to say he looked terrible. DDP is the champion. But Robert Whitaker didn't look like he's in his prime. Yeah, he definitely didn't. I, I mean, my only answer to that is you can't trust Paolo Costa. Uh, that's pretty much the only answer. Uh, he's, you know, we'll sometimes say that he was hung over for a fight. Um, True. This has felt like a pretty drama-free week for him, so maybe we just get Paolo Costa focused on fighting. I know we're going to get a lot to this to the main event about age and, and all that stuff and worrying about where certain fighters are. In their career. I am actually, you know, I'm, and I'm usually slow on this stuff about worrying about guys. I just think with Robert Whitaker, he's been a guy before who's talked about having a tone back fighting and then make the comeback and step away and not let it consume him. I think this is a guy like once it's gone, I think like he's going to ride off. So this does feel like kind of a, a career, you know, if he gets blown up by Paulo Costa, I could see Robert Whitaker walking away. Cause oh. it feels like if he's not fighting for belts, he don't fight. I'm going with Paulo Costa. I like him as a dog. I didn't like what happened last time against Robert. And I'm a little bit worried that he's uh, ready to ride off into the sunset. You know, that made me sick to my stomach when you said that, but you could be right. Like, it, a guy that – a former title champion, a guy that's fought Izzy a couple of times, been in so many big fights, so many main events. If you lose this type of fight, obviously your best days are behind you. Now, same thing with Cowboy Cerrone, right? Same thing with Tony Ferguson, and those guys keep fighting. So it, some guys want to do it. I'm with you. Robert Whitaker doesn't seem like he's the guy that wants to keep his name out there and keep getting the paycheck and, frankly, keep getting his brains bashed in, you know, like those guys. It hasn't been good at the end for Tony Ferguson. I don't think Robert Whitaker is that guy. Uh, because of what you just said, I hope he wins the fight, but you could be right. Jake. I don't want to touch this fight because it's a hard one. Like, you know, before the DDP fight, I'd have Robert Whitaker all day. You know, I'd say he's going to piece him up. He's going to probably get the finish. He's going to make Costa look stupid. But I just don't know anymore, man, because every fight Costa gets in is a dog fight. They're both getting hurt. It's a long, exhausting, a lot of strikes are thrown and landed. I don't know if Robert Whitaker can survive that right now. So I am actually leaning the underdog Costa. I don't know if I'll actually play a lot on the fight, but it might be worth a sprinkle at how uh, how ridiculous the odds are. I'm leaning Costa, too, at two to one. And, now that I know that Robert Whitaker is maybe a little bit chinny, a little bit old, maybe one foot out the door like PT's saying, I'll take Costa by knockout if you're going to give me those odds. Main event time, boys. Alexander Volkanovsky, the favorite. We had Eric Richter from the New York Post on earlier. He said he's been studying this line. It's gone back and forth and back and forth. At one point, Ilya Tapoy was the favorite. On Monday, it was actually a dead pick'em at BetMGM. As of right now, Alexander Volkanovsky minus 140. Ilya Taporia at plus 115. PT, you get first crack at it. How's the championship fight going down? 
Well, first of all, I, I'm fascinated by the line movement because I really thought this was going to go in the opposite direction. I thought when Volk was going to come out with the whole I was drinking and, you know, I was dealing with depression and all that stuff that all the baggage that he had before the the, the Makacha fight. I thought that was going to make people rats off a ship on him and start leading support because I felt like the support hype was very real. Um so I'm a little surprised to see that right now he's currently the favorite. Maybe action flips, you know, by the end of the week or something crazy happens at the press conferences or weigh-ins. Um, I like Volkanovski. I, I, I am, I, I, you know, I just think that this is his division. He's always got the reach against strikers. He's so hard to hit. And I just don't think he's going to make that same mistake where he gets head kicked. We saw this even with Kamaru Usman the last time around with Leon and you know, to, to make that mistake again is very, very hard. So I, I think he's going to be so smart in the way that he prepared striking-wise for a fight like this. When it comes to punches, it's really hard to put him down. This guy's gone how many rounds with Max Holloway? Dude's got a – typically has a chin of granite, and I'm not going to kill him for losing a fight. Ten days notice, up a weight class. To me, he's still one of the best pound-for-pound pound on the planet. And I think he's going to win this one. I think it goes to the judges. I don't think he finishes Taporia, but I think he's going to win uh, a, a pretty vintage-style decision for him and show people he ain't, he ain't ready to run off yet. The chin wasn't the problem against uh, Islam. It was the forehead that got kicked. That was the issue. So, yeah, I mean, who knows if we're going to see a timid or, oh, super aggressive Volkanovski on Saturday night. Jake. You got the favorite champion, Volk at minus 140, or Ilya Taporia and New at plus 115? Taporia's giving me big McGregor UFC 194 vibes. Like going in against Aldo, all the confidence in the world. You saw the video of Taporia today with Volk's belt, going up right in Volk's face, smiling at him. I like the confidence. I'm a little bit nervous about Volk as much as I love him just from last time out. Is this too soon? We'll see. But underdog money, give me some, uh, give me some Taporia. So I've only got a couple of streaks, boys, in my entire life. I'd say the one that I'm most proud of is 19 years in a row I haven't used a porta potty. I refuse. To be honest with you, I'll go in my pants before I use a porta potty. But another one when it comes to betting is I don't think I've ever bet against Alexander Volkanovsky. I don't care who that guy fights. I'm not going to bet against him. And as BT points out, the line keeps going back and forth. So let's say it's close to a pick em by Saturday night. I'm going to wait. And then that's what I'm going to get in on Alexander Volkanovsky. This division is his. And there have been a lot of Ilya Taporias that I've seen, the up-and-comers, the Brian Ortegas, if you will, that supposedly it's their time. And still, Alexander Volkanovsky is the champion. For our guest, Eric Richter, my co-host, Brendan Tobin, and that is Jake Nowaker, my producer. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Tapped Out. Enjoy the fights.